Jim Shoemaker, Jim Whitehead, Scott Jordan, and Frank LaQuerica are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Now, your host, Jim Shoemaker. Whether you're a baby boomer or a millennial, it doesn't seem to matter. A common concern is always money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Today, we have got a program signed up for you, let up for you, ready for you. Everything's just pointed to helping you make decisions when it comes to managing money. Our first guest, Scott Jordan, is going to walk through some ideas behind managing just overall decisions. It's kind of a time-tested thought process of money management principles. You don't want to miss that part. We're, it's going to be first up. But coming up in the second half of the program, Frank Lacarica and Jim Whitehead are with us. Jim Whitehead's going to talk about divorce and money. You know, you, I, divorce and money really can be pretty tough, very emotional. Well, we want to walk you through some guidelines of what you should be doing when you're dealing with that. Whether you are or you know someone that's going through that, we'll talk about that. And Frank Lacarica, it's college graduation time. And those people that are college, you know, graduate, graduating from college, great. But what about that senior in high school who's looking to go to college what about paying for that? We're going to talk with Frank Lecarica about college funding. That's the lineup for you today. That's our agenda. Let me welcome first and foremost, Mr. Scott Jordan, time-tested principles for managing money. Scott, welcome to the program. Great to be here, Jim. You know, Scott, one of the biggest issues that we see going on right now in our economy is the CPI. You know, you just we just got that report. Right. It was up. And, then, and I know some of the news media reported that inflation might be slightly down and Maybe that was to ease the pain, but the reality is when CPI, that's the consumer spending index, and the reality is it was ticking up. So we're feeling the pain, whether it's at the grocery store, the gas pump, or travel, all those things are going up. And so I really think it's important that we talk about your subject today, the idea behind money management principles. And I, I kind of want to pause with it and think with it time-tested money management principles. Let's go through that. What are some of those that you're talking about? Well, I think, you know, again, I, I always say all good investment decisions begin with cash flow. So really looking at that income, what we have coming in and what we're going to do with it. I mean, really the essence of financial planning is taking those limited resources and allocating them to unlimited choices. So how are we going to allocate our resources in order to hit our goals? So let's talk about Let's talk about five core principles that I think you can really build a foundation on. Uh, the number one would be spend less than you earn. Now, that sounds almost obvious, but really making sure that that savings is positive is really step one in meeting those long-term and short-term goals. So spend less than you earn. Okay, that sounded usually... <laughs> You're right. It sounds like that's the obvious, like the nose on your face. The reality is... You know, I mean, we talked about this just a couple of days ago with Ditch on, and during his program about credit cards. I mean, yep. it you know, credit cards, that creates a problem. It absolutely does. I, I mean, it's so easy to spend money today. I mean, now you can go with your phone and just 
throw it, <laughs> throw it out there and buy half the store if you're not careful. The reality is spending less than you earn may be a time-tested money, money principle, but it's difficult. It's not intuitive, and it's not the natural flow of money, and it requires planning ahead. It requires, first of all, looking at how much income we're going to have coming in in a year and then planning how we're going to spend that throughout the year and making sure that that savings number is positive. And that that kind of brings us to that second principle, which you just led into. And the second one, what I'd say, avoid the use of debt. Well, you know, you're not being very friendly today. I mean, be honest with you. Maybe let's go to the second segment of the program. I mean, I mean you know, spend less than you earn. I get that. Avoid right. it. You know, those two seem to be like oil and vinegar. You can't get those to mix. That's. I mean, I can listen to people now. Those are, you know, thinking about what we're talking about. Yeah, you guys can talk about it, but can you do it? That's the question. Right. Well, uh, debt always mortgages the future. And I know there are things that we have to have in life, whether it's you know getting a mortgage to buy a house and there are there are things called good debt versus bad debt and we may need to do a whole show on that in the future but really trying to minimize or avoid the use of debt is a key principle because like i said it always mortgages the future it requires future after-tax cash flow to service and that's less money you have to reach other goals with with the rising interest rates that we're seeing in society today where we talk about mortgaging you know buying a house or refinancing a house or whatever and it goes from three and a half percent now to we know it's up five and a quarter right. possibly going higher than that how do you how do you help people understand the void the use of debt? I mean, you, there's good debt and there's bad debt. Good debt. Explain that. Well, I would look at an asset like a home that is theoretically going to increase in value over time. It's something that we really all have to have. We need a place to live, so we're either going to rent something or we're going to buy something. So I think in an inflationary economy especially, it can make sense to finance that home over that long period of time because, again, once you lock in that rate or lock in that payment, it's going to be that way. And in an inflationary environment, you're actually paying that payment with less costly dollars as time goes on. So I think an asset like a home that, you know, again, should should increase in value, borrowing money to buy that can make a lot of sense. And, and quite frankly, most of us don't have the cash to put out to buy a home. So, make, you know, buying that with debt is really the only thing. When I talk about avoiding debt, I'm really mainly focused on that consumer debt, whether that's credit card debt, uh, to a lesser degree auto loans, but even those, because again, that always costs you. There's a cost to borrowing money, and that's that's the interest cost. Well, I think sometimes people forget that homes are supposed to appreciate, yes. and, and in most cases they do. Maybe, yep. maybe not as much as we would like for them to do, but here recently we've seen enormous appreciation in homes, so yep. that would be considered good debt, but now I can't remember, I'm trying to think, maybe right now my, my vehicle has appreciated but I, I say that and I go nah it's, it's one of those rare times where it might, <laughs> might have. have but uh, in, in general no but again that's something that most of us have to have and we don't always have the cash to buy it but you know financing as little as possible <clears throat> buying a car within your means is 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 just smart money I always like the thought that you know if it's spending on something that is actually going away in other words depreciating or you know just 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 wasting away whether it's clothes automobile food even right avoid the use avoid of the debt. use of debt That's again a, it always mortgages your future you exactly. got because you have to pay it back with after tax dollars so you have to go to work 
make money, pay taxes on it, and then make the payments on the debt. So it's very costly clear. The Bible tells us very clearly that uh, the borrower is the slave to the lender. It does. I mean, it really creates that problem. There's a lot of truth to that. It it certainly limits your flexibility in life when you have a lot of commitments out there that you have to make, and that's a lot lot of commitment on you. You know, joining us right now, Frank Lacarica and Jim Whitehead. Frank, I know you've got some thoughts on this, so share with our audience what you're thinking from a standpoint. I know you're going to deal with college education and kind of funding of that, but it deals with some of the problems of borrowing money to pay for college even. No, it does. Absolutely. If if you're, if you're to Scott's point, mortgaging your future, I mean, in, at some point in the future, college does become an issue. But that that being aside, you know, one of the easiest ways to avoid the, the pitfalls of excessive credit card debt is just creating budgets. Uh, that that's that's it's not hard it's not fun to do but it's not hard to do creating budgets understanding that to Scott's point the mortgage is going to comprise a, a fairly significant piece of that there are going to be auto loans in there more than likely but then understanding that hey I've got X amount set aside for food I've got X amount set aside for entertainment and then working with what we have to make sure that we're not taking on unnecessary debt uh, now it doesn't mean you can't take a vacation. Uh, and I encourage people to enjoy life. What's the point of of working, you know, hard for everything you've earned if you don't get to enjoy it? But we have to be responsible while doing that. Maybe the trip around the world is not what you had in mind with a vacation. Maybe it's just going to Tipton County. And, and it's, I'll <laughs> let them go a little further than that, Jim. Further than that, I'll get you to a beach, but okay. it, may, it may not be in. I got in you. the Maldives. Nothing wrong but. with Tipton County, by the way. But uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I guess the thought is when you when you talk about these two. Two time-tested principles, principles that are so important, principles that I think are so unique to us today because we don't teach it as much as we used to, but spend less than you earn. That's kind of the mindset. And then let that point avoid the use of debt. And that is so critical. I know I've taught people the use of the envelope system where you're setting aside money in the envelope and you're saying that's back to your budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when you talk about that, Frank, set aside X number of dollars for foods, X number of dollars for clothing, X number of dollars for gas, all those things. Put them in an envelope at the end of the month when you've spent all it's gone. You're controlling your use of money and you're not creating debt. Now, what happens is you borrow from one envelope to pay for the other <laughs> right. envelope and that creates all kinds of problems. So know what the envelope system talks about. I mean, Dave Ramsey's built a, a, an empire talking oh, yeah. about a use, you know, avoid right. use of debt. It's arguably one of the more important things that we have to deal with as adults, um, and that's that's budgeting, and it's it's one of the more frustrating things. And I think something Jim will kind of hit on later. You know, money issues. Budget issues are, are, are one of the, the big pitfalls in marriage. In marriage, you got it. Number three, Scott, I want to go to that. Number three. Build margin or liquidity. And what what we mean by this is you need that short-term kind of economic shock absorber, if you will, that short-term savings plan because you're going to have unexpected life events. So as as we're managing, as we talked about spending less than you earn, we talked about avoiding the use of debt. Um, you know, Frank brought up a great point about doing a budget or a spending plan, I like to call it. Some people can tolerate that a little better than the word budget. <laughs> a spending plan. It sounds funner. Not, yeah. um, there you but, go. Uh, funner. Bill, I like that word, by the way. Funner. Funner. <laughs> funner. That's, that's My mis- wife and I agree That's a Mississippi funner. word. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know that one. Uh, but building that margin of liquidity or building that emergency fund, as a lot of planners call it, is critical to making sure, hey, you stay on that budget because uh, the biggest budget busters are things we don't know are coming. So building that margin or liquidity 
both for the short term and then also building that for the long term is critical to a uh, to a financial plan. You know, we talk about this, the time-tested principles of money management, and people think, well, those principles should be taught to every person in high school, in college. They should. Young married couples. Yep. Absolutely. But we see this also in people that are reaching retirement age. They oh, are absolutely. now all of a sudden yep. looking at a fixed income maybe, and they've got us decide, how am I going to spend money? So these time-tested principles stay with us our entire lifetime. They so work that's for key. all people. That's they exactly work for right. All people in all, all circumstances. It's like spend less than you earn, avoid the use of debt, and you know, build margin or liquidity. In other words, save some money for right. that rainy day. Absolutely. That's the bottom line. All right, number four. Set long-term goals. So That's so easy to say. It, it is easy to say, <laughs> but to ha having that long-term plan with those long-term goals, that's the only way that I've seen that people can prioritize their spending uh, from the short term to the long term. Again, our natural flow of money is to get what we want when we want it. Uh, having those long-term goals or that plan, that gives you that hope for the future. That gives you what you're trying to accomplish and allows you to make wiser decisions in the short term with your money. I always say the longer-term perspective, the better the decision being made. I know you say a lot of times, and this is a word that I really appreciate you using, know what the why is. Absolutely. Let's explain Absolutely. that. Well, again, going back to, you know, it's, it's hard to save money. Um, you know, we have all these choices around us of what we can do with our money, and they're always competing with each other. And the natural tendency tends to lean towards satisfying that short-term want or need. So knowing that why, having those long-term goals can help you stick with that discipline process in tough times because you know where you're heading. You know what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, long-term goals are somewhat quantifiable so we can quantify those we can we can establish what we need to do in order to hit them making some assumptions about rate return rate of return and things like that so we can plan for those it just helps you stick with the process all right we've talked about i think the critical part is these are these didn't just come out of your head we've right. looked at these for years these are biblical principles that we've learned we taught yep. and we teach a lot of people today and i you know i've used them many many times in my practice and i know you guys do the same thing spend less than you earn that sounds you know sounds kind easy of, sounds easy but you know the reality we see a is lot where most people's a lot of people spend more than and, they earn. because i don't know i used to i had a problem going to walmart yeah. I mean, you know i'd go to walmart and uh, uh, you know, going to get one item, and yeah. by the time I was walking out, I was spending a hundred dollars. You know, uh, I had to learn to do that. I was I was a Walmartaholic, okay, and I'm so yeah. I'm Jim Shoemaker. I'm a Walmartaholic. Yeah. You know? So the reality is, you had to learn, and that's just discipline. It Easier is. said than done, but if you can do that, you could avoid the you know the use of debt. Debt is a symptom of overspending, yeah, by exactly. The way. Especially consumer debt. That's a symptom of spending more than you earn. So if you're carrying a lot of consumer debt, at some point you've spent more than you earned you didn't yep. have the money to buy what you were buying so you put it on a credit card i don't know if the accuracy of this statistic that i'm about to give you is is up to date but for years we used to look and did a lot of study on this with the ministries that i've worked with and dave ramsey that i've worked with over the years that we spend about 10 percent more than we earn if we're using credit cards Oh, absolutely. I think that psychologically, the spending decision is much easier swiping a card than it is handing over cash. Because now, we're not touching it. For convenience in, in this modern world, most people spend on a card. So uh, that's no accident. I don't, I don't believe that's an accident. I think it definitely 
causes you to spend more when you're using a card. All right. Then we talked about building liquidity, and that's building a yep. savings plan. Absolutely. Being disciplined to do that. I liked what Frank said. He, you know, we, we you guys talked about, you know, understanding how to manage this and how to work through this and the whole thought process. I, I can't remember which one of you said it, that the word budget, you, I, you don't, I mean, I used to use that word budget. And I like the, I think it was you, Scott, that said savings plan. Spending plan. Spending plan. Spending, Spending plan. plan. Yeah. yeah, that sounds really good. Uh, you know, I've, I've worked with people long enough to know, and, and, and just give you the scenario. I got a spouse, husband and wife, and sitting in the office. We're going through this process, and we're talking about budgeting. And, oh, yeah, yeah, we got to do the budgeting. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. Yeah. She, she spends a lot of money, you know. And I'm going, <laughs> okay, wait a second. You know, I'm not so sure that's the case. Here. Right. So right. they get the budget, you right. know. And all of a sudden, they're out here. They're doing the budget. And he gives her the budget. Yes, we're going to manage this budget. And he goes out and buys a bass boat. Right. Right. That was that in the budget. That's a necessity, Jim. Okay. That's a necessity. That's in somebody's budget. We laugh about it. But these are principles that really can change your financial world. They're the last one I want to talk about it. I think this is the one that really steps into the purpose of a person being around. And what we have as stewards, we're blessed with the ability to earn an income. God gives us that. And then we are used to be a cycler for it. And how do we do that? Giving generously. Now, that's the one principle that sometimes is a head scratcher for some people. It's like, wait a minute, I'm trying to build wealth. Now you're telling me one of the principles is to give generously? What, what in the world? Money is a powerful force. Money, mm. money is a powerful emotional force. Giving generously helps break that power of money in our life. And it helps break that control that money can have over us. And and Jim, you know, and I, we work with a lot of people and what we see that generous givers are oftentimes some of the best wealth builders. Now, I, I can't say why exactly. I can just say that having that generous heart tends to break that power of money and tends to put the focus where it needs to be. I think that's well said. I think that's great and a great point. Frank, you have something? Well, you know, it, it probably it probably falls uh, under the auspice of, of they don't the income is not they don't see that as theirs that that's that's it's already that's earmarked great. for something yeah. else right. and when we're talking about saving it it goes hand in hand if if you if you say hey the first 10 percent goes to my 401k or, or goes to a savings account like it does, it never hits my checking account like it's just it's it's a it's a way of thinking it's it's a worldview almost yeah uh, i like that takes kind yeah. of dedication to say hey this is this is either this is for the lord or this yeah. is for college or this is for our future it's not ours right now it's not ours the key is the tithe that's that 10 percent that we talk about from a biblical principle and then giving uh, you know above that i mean we are we are a city of givers this is yep. a city that has been very philanthropy oriented and, and philanthropic and i think that's a testimony for how we stand and what we do and i think it's always important if you're going to work with the other four when you get to this point and you've been blessed it's giving back to society giving back to your church in, in honoring god for the principles that he's allowed you to you know understand and for you to do and that's always the positive to i think these biblical principles do a couple of things and i'll share them with you contentment is it really comes and that's in all circumstances and scott you really talked about that that's so strong and confidence when you have in making those financial decisions number three what would you say scott I think good communication. I think when you follow these principles, especially in a marriage situation, which, which Jim's going to step into here in a minute, it is just better communication around money. I don't know about you, but 
there's nothing quicker than a money conversation to bring tensions up in America. So <laughs> but, when you're following these principles and everybody understands what's going on, you have a good spending plan, you're avoiding debt, there's just a lot less tension around money, and that can create better communication in a marriage. You know, you talk about that. My wife and I can talk about anything under the sun. But if we go to talk about uh, money, it's, 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 it's a tough it's I tight. mean, and you know, you think I do it all the time, right. you know, I mean, it's right. every day I'm yeah. but it's, you can just sense that, you know, she has to live <laughs> under the umbrella that you're the financial guy. <laughs> well, right. I always get the, would you talk to your clients like <laughs> yeah, that? Right. <laughs> That's right. a good one. Yeah, I think we all That's that. a good one. <laughs> Amen there. Good yeah. communication at all levels. That's good confidence in your financial decision making and contentment under all economic circumstances and conditions. But there's one more, Scott. Maximum generosity. We just talked about that. Maximum generosity of time, talent, and treasures. I think following these principles just gives you the ability to be generous with all your financial resources along with your time and talent. I thank you so much, Scott, for sharing with us. I mean, the five fundamentals of money management. This is your principles. They're time-tested. Coming up in a few minutes, we've got uh, Scott, jo Scott Jordan will stay with us. He'll be with us with Jim Whitehead and Frank Lecarico. Jim's going to talk about divorce and money. We go from principles of good money management to how do you deal with it when you're facing a divorce or you know someone is facing a divorce. It's so, so important. You don't want to miss that segment of the program. Frank Lecarico is going to help us start saving for that college education. If you've got a young person, it's important for you to know what to do there. Stay with us. We'll be right back in just a moment. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax or legal situation. Helping you make the most of your money. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker on News Talk 98.9. Separate from the financial plan and our role as financial planner, we may recommend the purchase of specific investment or insurance products or accounts. These product recommendations are not part of the financial plan and you are under no obligation to follow them. Helping you make the most of your money. This is Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker on News Talk 98.9. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money. We thank you for being a part of today's program and staying with us. And want to remind you that if you would like to find out more about the podcast, we have a podcast. You can find our podcast wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple podcast, whatever, and uh, search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker and subscribe to our pod podcast and please leave us a review. We would definitely appreciate that. All right, Mr. Whitehead, tough subject, man. You you know, but you do a lot of this and uh, I mean, divorce and money and, and I, you know, I have to say to you, I wanted you to be on the program today because just recently I got a call from a young man. He, he's the son uh, of a of a couple that he had you know great family and all of a sudden his mom's facing a divorce and wow. a tough divorce and and didn't know what to do and here's the thought I think it's so important you know our listening audience is made up of couples all kinds of people so the reality is you probably either have been possibly going through or you know somebody so the subject is is common today it you know you would think that well we don't have to talk about divorce but you know because you do a lot of this counseling with a lot of people you've done some training in this area for people so how would you describe 
the difficulty. What do you What do you do when you get a divorce? I mean, let's just start start where you would start with anybody. You know, uh, I think think the thing that sticks out the most is it's personal. You That's, know, there's a famous fighter who said, "We all have a game plan till you get hit right in the face, <laughs> right?" <laughs> and divorce is getting slapped multiple times right in the face. face. You know, Scott was talking about don't spend more than you make. We'll go through a divorce. You ever seen those bills? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're a lot more than what you make. That's a good point. And everything is emotional. Everything is a sense of stress. It's anxiety. And then your whole world is now uncertain. Where you thought you had your plan together before, and you were ticking off a lot of those disciplines of saying no to uh, death, I mean, to debt or saying yes to the travel with your family, and you got this game plan to some level. Now, spouses always have two different game plans because we're two different people. In our lives, and our dreams, and our goals, they're always adjusted. Like maybe one wants to retire in the mountains and one wants to retire at the beach. Yeah, Simple discussions that go a long <laughs> way and have a lot, of, a lot of controversy, but now you don't know where you're going to retire or when you're going to retire. You don't know who gets this or that, and you don't know what your money situation is going to be like. And there's a lot of turbulence in daily living because you do not know how to score up your balance sheet. You don't know what you're spending on. Everything is upside down. The bills are coming, and you still don't know the end zone. You don't know how am I going to get out of this. Mm. And divorces don't last a day. It's not like, hey, we want to get divorced and tomorrow we're done. <laughs> they last months and years. And think about the trust that, that just broken over the, the years before you decided to go through a divorce. So you're sitting there, you don't trust this person as much as you used to because you don't like them as much as you used to, right? At one time, you're in love. So they're probably still good people. But but now everything they did wrong is like in the forefront of your mind. And you have to do a budget and a plan and live life with total disarray. You don't know how to step forward. You know, and a lot of people say, well, where do I start, Tim? What do I do? The first thing to do is start finding a team, a team of trusted people. You have to have an attorney. Attorneys come in all shapes and sizes, personalities, and find one that fits you, right? Find somebody that you can walk down the legal aspects of this journey together and get good advice. And I tell everybody, then go find some friends that you can go cry with or or get away with. Or if you're a guy, maybe go play golf and, and share your life with. Don't get advice from those people. <laughs> They've all had a divorce probably. They're all experts to some level, but they're not going to write the check for you. Yeah. You know, they're not going to be there in the court or the mediation. But you need these people because we have to breathe in the toxic air and breathe out. So we have to have some kind of way to let loose and be ourselves and cry or or sweat or do something to deal with life with friends who love us. And we need that. That's not your attorney, by the way, because they they have a pretty big bill per hour for you to go cry to them, right? But the reality is you need that team around you. You need oh, the counselors definitely. around you. You talk about friends, but you also talk about a financial advisor to someone come on, help with the budget. I mean, that yep. can be a nightmare. If you haven't been in charge, you've got to make sure that whatever you were doing, you could possibly continue. Now, you know, when, when a couple does fall apart and they get the divorce, it can be a financial devastation. So I know Tennessee is a 
what, you know, what you call a mediation state. Explain that to our listening audience, what mediation state, does that mean I don't have to go to court? or, or Well, what? in Tennessee, um, we're designed to try to, to, to solve problems before it gets to the court. Mm. The court solves them for us, right? And they say, here's what we're going to do. Um, in a mediation state, we are going to each have an attorney or representation. We're going to go to the mediator, and the mediator is designed to help solve problems. So and, you're talking around the table. Well, sometimes you're, you're, sometimes you're in two different table. rooms, okay. right? And it just depends on how the mediator um, has set up their practice. So I've seen it where everybody's in the same room, and I've seen it where you're in separate rooms, and the mediator comes back and forth. And they're trying to do a couple of things. They're trying to find compromise. My favorite statement in divorce is, Try to try to do what's fair, but get a little. In other words, no one's going to win. I think it was Eddie Murphy one time who said, you know, if you take a couple millionaires and you split up the money, you're both still millionaires. But if you're making $100,000 and you split up $100,000, you're both broke. Right? Because you're living off of, I think what Scott was saying, you are now. That sounds like a Jim Whitehead as much as it does an Eddie Murphy. Right. right. I like it. But, but the whole idea is you have a $100,000 budget. Y'all just said we spend 10% more than what we're making. So yep. you got a $100,000 budget. You're, you're spending 110 And now two people are going to go live two different lives. And they're used to spending 110 Yeah. And they only have 50 Yeah. You know, and so the whole idea here is. You, well, you do need to have a financial advisor who is specialized and trained in specialized training of divorce. Because mm. this is not about retirement right now. This is not about what you're going to get or how you're going to get it. It's about having strategy to understand in mediation how to maneuver things around um, to be fair, but but try to get a little bit on your side in certain situations. What is the biggest conflict that you see when you're counseling people with divorce? Oh, you know, uh, a couple. If we can put the children discussion aside, who there's a parenting plan in Tennessee which says who gets the time with the children, and from that, which incomes get moved around to support each parent with time shared with children. So there's a parenting plan. So if we can take that off the table, because children. You know, again, you get hit in the face. The most emotional emotional thing is I have to protect my children. Mm. After that, probably the thing I hear the most, the usually ladies want to stay in the house because that's the that's the the safety net for the children. Well, again, you go. Let's say it's a fifteen hundred dollar a month house, and you're now making fifty. That fifteen hundred dollars doesn't meet standards of what I can pay for a house. So, how long can you stay in that house before you're going to have to move? So the big one is a lot of times is we want to keep um, continuity of our home life. We want the children to, we were going through a lot, so we don't want to interrupt that. Um, and then the other part is obviously going to be income, and it's going to be alimony, and it's going to be, for those who are um, thinking from a planning pr- proposition, which a lot of people don't, you know, it's the end game too. Like, hey, we have retirements. How do we shift up that money? And not all money is created equal. You know, and so a lot of people want to chase the hypothetical big company 401k, but they don't want to talk about the cash in the, in the checking account, right? They, they, they all see these things are important, but they don't, they don't um, value them usually correctly. That's so, always the tough thing. You know, I, 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 I'm against divorce. I remember my wife and I kind of made an agreement 50 years ago. We've been married almost 50 years. And the reality, we well, said divorce is not going to be in our vocabulary, but divorce has happened. 
I mean, people change, things happen. And so it's just about understanding and, and working through that process. And I like, I hear your passion for it, Jim, in your voice and your thoughts of guiding people through. And you don't, nobody ever wins. I mean, you don't come back and you say, you know, oh, they had a divorce and they got it all or something like that. That's, that doesn't usually happen. There is a compromise. Get a little, try to get a little, try to work through that. Talk about child support and alimony and how does the state of Tennessee, because children in the, really, we're going to say this, are the victims in a divorce. They're the ones that, you know, have to divide that mindset of the loyalty between mom or dad. I understand that. I hate this. But the reality is there are financial decisions. There's those decisions that have to be made. Yeah, well, you know, in life, uh, the complexity of children are the same thing that all of us deal with. You know, one person goes to work at a certain time. Somebody picks the children up. They go to school. So there's a there's a smorgasbord of activities with children. I know I had six children, so my wife was always running around doing stuff. I was trying to, to work and build a career. And so you have this balance game that's never really in balance. And all of a sudden, you take one of the key people out of that balance, and it's now my house, your house, and they're 15, 20, 30 miles away because usually people want to live further away, not closer. And so now you've added a new time concern. And so I think, you know, through the parenting plan and through good counseling with your legal team is they're going to figure out the right numbers. Uh, what I was always shocked at is people who think they're going to get something forever. And you're not going to get mm. most of the time alimony forever. Uh, they're going to look at the quality of the person and the education of the person and their potential a lot of times. And so... They're going to structure things to protect people. For example, if you're making 100000 I'm making fifty. Well, they're not going to make you pay me extra for the rest of my life most of the time. They also look at duration of, of the marriage. I mean, were you married a year, two years, which, you know, is not uncommon. Or have you been married for 30 or 40 years? Was one spouse working ever um, or two spouses working? And so they, they take in some of that in account. Now, the, the thing that I really appreciate about mediation over court is, you are playing a chess game. You are mediating with your attorney and your mediator for for a decision of compromise. And so, Jim, if I can get you to pay me alimony for the rest of my life, and you say yes because you are guilt-ridden because you did something wrong, maybe I get it. Um, that's typically not what I see. But my point is, is I've actually had people come to me from a, from a financial divorce perspective. We did their entire plan together, and then they went and got their attorneys. They adjusted a little bit. And they lived ha happily ever after. And I really didn't understand that whole process because they really got along really well. My point is they both took an active part in the divorce. I just, I guess, like the, they took an active part of their marriage. But they worked it out. They figured it out and moved on. And the important thing here is there is the light at the end of the tunnel. Some divorces just last a long time because, you know, in everything in life, conflict like, I know you said, hey, Linda and I said, we will never get a divorce, but it only takes one of you to change your mind. Absolutely. So you can say, yep, I'm all in. And, Linda, you know, Miss yep. Linda can say, well, I've changed my mind. And now now we have a whole new world of conflict and your whole world has been changed. And so there is a light at the end of the tunnel. It just looks different. And so we got we to gotta walk that client through this uncertainty time and, and keep reminding them we're going to get here. But the uncertainty, if you've been a good planner, it's not as uncertain, like what y'all were talking about earlier, just the fundamentals. But if you're a bad planner, 
that's a nightmare. You know what I like what you said is that the the people came into the office and they they, they worked it out together and, and and you helped them guide walk through their finances and that to me that's the way it should be. If you'd like to talk to Jim Whitehead and you've got some issues about you know this is a possibility or you know someone, just as I mentioned at the start of his segment of the program is I got a call. It was because his mom was going to divorce and going through this process and they'd been married a long time and they're going through the idea of some asset gathering and putting it together. Jimmy, you do a great job with that. 901-757-5757 if you would like to talk to Jim Whitehead. This is a subject that no one likes to talk about, but it's real. It happens. And Jim, you do a great job with your counseling. We appreciate it. Thank you, Jim. Coming up, I want to talk with this man because, uh, you know, he is a, a guy that guides people through one of those subjects that everybody, if you have children, you say, I really, really do want to do this. I want to make sure that I'm taking care of my kids and that I've got the things going on. So, Frank, you were participating earlier, so welcome to the program again, sir. Welcome to be sitting here still. <laughs> you, haven't, you haven't gone anywhere. Yeah. But college education, man, this is a subject for a lot of people. It is so critical. I mean, you know, I, I think it's the reality whether your children are six months old or 16 years old. You know you want them to go to college if they can. You want to, I mean, it may be a dream. It, it may be something that you just say, hey, let's let's go try it for a little while or, you know, go get your degree. We'll figure it out later. But yeah, I mean, the reality is it's it's a it's a question regardless of whether you've got a six-month-old or a 16-year-old or if you're 30 or if you're a grandparent saying, hey, I've got a little bit extra. How can I help? You know, what, what can I do to help you out? Um but one of the things that, you know, it kind of hit me with, uh, it's pertinent to this and it's pertinent to what Scott talked about, but Jim kind of hit it. Um, divorce is emotional. You know, money typically isn't. And so when you're trying to marry two things that are not necessarily, you know, one plus one does not always equal two when you're dealing with emotions. But when we're talking about finance, well, you know, you're trying to, to kind of blend it to that, whether it's divorce or... College funding. College funding. So, so the yeah. reality being, I think, college funding, I like the way you said it. You know, I can't, I remember my mom and dad, they looked at me and said, son, it's good that you graduated from high school. <laughs> For them, that's a big deal. <laughs> they were probably shocked. <laughs> hey, they, they all, they were applauding, you know. Yeah. Way to go, he got out of. You beat the odds, Jim. <laughs> that's right. But uh, my dad was very straight up. I'd, all, I'd worked as a kid, you know. I mean, I'd cut grass, did all the things. I worked it as a janitor, you know, all, all those things you do as a high school kid. And my dad, and I'd save money, and he said, look, here's how we're going to pay for college. You pay for a semester, I pay for a semester. You pay for a semester. And it was real. And he, he was very adamant. He said, you don't pay for a semester. I don't pay for a semester. <laughs> and this was Vietnam was going on at the time. So if you didn't pay for that semester, you knew where you were going from that standpoint. Wow. So yeah. it was pretty uh, much of a challenge. So, you know, I went to college working and the reality is that's how we got through no loans or anything, but I've counseled tons of people. And today it's even more than, you know, in the last 20 years, but we've seen a lot increase in the debt. Well, the cost of it's just it's it's Going getting exorbitant. I just, I'll just I'll just say exorbitant. I, I, how how much was co a semester? Jim? Oh, I don't even want to go there, guys. <laughs> a couple hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was he, he had to work a whole weekend to pay for that semester. Let's just let's oh, move man. right on. It just goes to show you that that you know the the cost of college then versus now, or even twenty years ago when 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 I was when I was in college. It's it's 
you know, the, the average cost for a, you know, public four-year institutions, you know, in state is almost $11,000. Wow. Out of state, 27000 And that's not, we're not talking Harvard. We're just, you know, talking. State school. University of Tennessee. Right. Right, um, and so it's, it's, it is much more than it was when I went, to, and much more yeah. than you did when you're 20 years. And so that is a problem for a lot of people. I mean, so let's talk about some some planning, some things they can right. do. Let's start, first of all, I think that everybody's heard about it, but some don't understand it. 529 plans. There you go. You know, everybody, it, that's that's one of the, 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 the automatics when you walk in is, hey, I just had a kid. You know, I want to start a 529 plan, start saving for college. Uh there's out-of-pocket ways you could pay for it. You could use traditional Roth IRAs. But the main one that everybody wants is the 529. It's the 529. And I think it's important for everybody to understand that when you look at 529 plans, you've got to know who's in control. I mean, the mm-hmm. bottom line is now and in the future, you or your child. That's, right. that's an issue. Control's that's a important. big one. Yep. Flexibility. Who could contribute? How much can you contribute? For what the how, what is it used for purpose-wise? Uh, do you know if they're going to attend a specific school or is this just we want to say for the possibility of college? So flexibility is a really big, big You know, another one. one, too, is the idea behind taxation and the reality about, who, you know, oh, the contributions tax deductible or tax deferred. So keeping in mind, those are some things, you know, I know financial aid, assuming that you qualify. Well, that, that that's that's a big one. You know, when when we're when we're talking about college, the idea is, I mean, we want to obviously achieve that 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 ultimate goal, get that four year degree, get your paper, your sheepskin. Um, but we want to push as much of that burden off as we can. So financial aid, you know, if we're saving in five two nines, you know, how does that impact the prospects of financial aid versus using other? vehicles. You know, and one thing we talk about too, anytime we talk about a 529 plan, the reality growth and accumulation does not guarantee that a person's going to end up having all the money they need to pay for college. No, if, if you're if you're talking about college right now, that's uh it's probably a tough prospect <laughs> right now. Exactly. I mean, you, you don't have to look very far to see that things economically But you are just go in difficult. with your eyes open from yeah, that standpoint. Absolutely. And I think one of the things, too, that we have to talk about is estate planning. You need to know how to manage the 529 with an estate plan. It, you know, it, it, will it will it reduce your taxable estate even though you've given them what will it or will it not reduce it? And if you've given the money away, you need to know that. So understanding the estate side of that is important. But let's talk about, first and foremost, one that a lot of people know about, the cost college savings plan the 529s yep a, you, you, one of the, uh, the 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 big deal with 529s is they're 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 state specific so there's a virginia plan there's a tennessee plan and making sure that you know depending on where you're located you know your state may offer tax advantages to residents who participate in a specific in a specific uh, uh, state plan. So that that's kind of a big thing. Talk to your advisor about that. Make sure that whichever one you choose is appropriate for you. That's important. Oh, that's oh yeah, That's very, absolutely. very important. What about the income tax benefits on the on a 529 plan? You know, uh, they, they, they offer tax-free growth, tax-free withdrawals, so long as we're using it for what's, what's called a qualified educational expense. We're talking about tuitions, books, supplies, room and board, typically anything associated with the, the, the cost of actually attending the university. Now, you can't say, hey, I need a car to get to and from there. That doesn't... <laughs> They're, they're not going to count that as a qualified expense. Okay, Frank, let's suppose that I am a grandparent and I want to give a setup for my 
grandson, Frank. Okay. Yep. All right. And I say, okay, I'm doing this. And Frank gets there and he is a professional golfer, which you are a very good golfer. So I'm using <laughs> you kind of as an example. Uh, and you get a college scholarship, full 100% paid mm-hmm. scholarship. But now Sally, who's my granddaughter, your sister, uh, didn't get a full scholarship. She's smarter than all of us in the room, okay? She's brilliant, but she just didn't get a scholarship. You play golf, you get a scholarship, you're smart, you don't. What's going on with that? We can talk about that. <laughs> it's another day. But can I transfer Absolutely. your side? Okay, tell me about yeah, that. Yeah, so it, it, there, there's there's transferability from from one child to another. So if we're if we're saving in one college 529 plan for Frank, and Frank ends up getting some type of, 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 of free trip to college, be it athletic or academic, and the next child does not, you could transfer it to that child penalty-free. There, I there's, was there's using no that, that, that scenario – because it's close to being real, you get the not. You said academic, you're not not. Well, you know, they, forget that. You know. <laughs> certainly wasn't that. Uh, no, no, but there, there, there's transferability there. You're 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 allowed to move from from child to child. What's the difference then between in the time we've got remaining a college savings plan and a prepaid tuition plan? Uh, prepaid tuition plans. Uh, you're, you're essentially, uh, let's say, you want to go to the University of Tennessee. You're buying credits right now at the current cost. And uh, with the ability to send your child there later on. So you're paying for a semester now and you could send them there 10 years from now. It's just it's a prepaid plan. Um, there are some small caveats in it. You know, if, if you happen to move and go out of state, then you're you could be responsible for the difference in in state out of state. You do have to you do have to live in the state to actually participate in it. Um, those are not very common, though. Um, they're just an option, but not very common. You know, there's so many other plans we could talk about. We've run out of time. I want to get you back because there's some other yeah. plans that we want to cover at another time. We talked about 529 plans, and uh, I just want to thank you guys. You've done a great job. Jim Whitehead, Frank Lacarica, and Scott Jordan. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it very much. If you have questions for Jim, Frank, or Scott, you can reach them at 901-757-5757. You can find our show Talk Money on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts search for talk money with jim shoemaker subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review much appreciated we thank you for that next week kurt zornowski zornowski consultings he's a frequent guest of ours he's going to be talking about social security 2022 and what's changed michael powell will talk about how to avoid breaking down in your 401k plan and effie johnson and anna wilcox will be here from the neighborhood christian center preparing for summer that's sunday mornings at 7 a.m saturday mornings at 7 a.m. and Sunday at 12 noon right here on Talk Radio 98.9, the roar of Memphis. If you have questions, send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. Thank you so much for listening. We're here every week helping you make the most of your money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker, Jim Whitehead, Scott Jordan, and Frank LaQuerica are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money. This has been Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker on News Talk 98.9.